Our coverage of Cardinals and Rams in Week 7 starts at 7 a.m. in Southern California. Hope you'll join us on ESPN LA. Travis Rogers and company will count us down to kickoff with three hours of preview coverage, and we'll check in uh, live from Twickenham with DeMarco Farm, J.B. Long, Steve Mason joining us for this extended edition, three hours of Rams All Access, and we've been popping on some fans from all around the Rams universe, and we have Alanya with us next. She's originally a South African. That's right. And tell us how you became a Rams fan and where you're living currently. I currently live in Alderney in the Channel Islands, so just off the uh, northeast coast of France. And I have John Madden to thank for the the fact that I'm a, a you know a Rams fan and an NFL fan. Now because you you and Liam, Liam is your that's my husband. Your husband. Yeah, we've been uh, married 11 years. Uh, nice. And and you know you know this team inside out. What do you think is the biggest addition to this team this this season? Oh, it's got to be Sean McVay. Yeah. And you know, offense has been clicking on all cylinders. I think Cooper Cup has been a massive addition. He's just the guy that excites me terribly. Uh, Tyler Higby, another guy. And you know what? Goff is back, isn't he? He's just been doing great. Um, I think last year, you know, throwing him in late in the season wasn't really the thing to do. Gurley, he had the second year slip. But this year, he's running. He's really, really doing it. Take DeMarco. that, Cam Newton. Yeah. Take that, Cam Newton. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> any fear of the Cardinals for you? I mean, watching what they've gone through, it's a tough matchup. I know it's in London. It's divisional, but any fear from the Cardinals? Um, AP. Just because um, I think he was held back by the Saints. He's still got, he's got a guy that's got legs, you know. Um, he showed it last week. Uh, I think we've got to be a little bit afraid because our run defense early on, first half, hasn't been the greatest. Second half, we can get it done. But if you look at Carson Palmer, you look at Larry Fitzgerald and AP, they're a great fantasy team five years ago. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but our D's got it. We got Robert Quinn. We have um, uh, Alec Ogletree. Yeah. You know, he's got Wade Phillips in his ear. We have got a great D. And that's what we got to do. She's up on it. Yeah. You know what? She was actually tutoring me leading up to the show. She's been sitting right here. Oh, that's she, where it's coming she from. Knows, she knows her <laughs> stuff. We're talking with Alanya from South Africa, now living in the Channel Islands. How do you stay so well-versed on the National Football League and the Rams from the Channel Islands? How do you follow the games? Oh, well, you know, my husband and I, we're the only two Rams fans that live in the Channel Islands. I'm, I'm sure of it because <laughs> we have been to nine games in London. Second game at Twickenham tomorrow, and uh, we don't see anyone else from the Channel Islands. You know, we got friends who follow from the Skins to the oh god, the Niners. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We stay on top of it. Social media. We follow the pages. We uh, follow in off season. Even if we don't make it to uh, to the playoffs this year, knock on wood, we will. We stay well versed. We follow the draft. We. Um, we get in on everything, really, because, honestly, American football is such an amazing game. I'm a rugby girl myself. You know, I grew up with rugby, South Africa, the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah. The Aussies. There's something different about American football. I like the, let's have four tries at 10 yards. Yeah, there's excitement. You can sit for three hours and watch a game. 
You know, 90 minutes, nah, that's nothing. You know, but we stay on top of things. We like, we love the game. We've been following it for so many years. Where's your husband? Where? There. Hey, she's a keeper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to let you know. She's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He knows. She's awesome. You outkicked your cupboard, sir. Yes. <laughs> and Alanya, when the clock is right, when the clock is right, feel free to stream us on ESPNLosAngeles.com. I will. Okay? I will. It's another will. way to stay up with your Rams. I, I would love to come out to your, you know, to you guys on on the West Coast, you know, one day. But it, it, it's a long way to travel. So for us to come up to London, it's amazing. And yeah, we, how, how do you get from the Channel Islands to London? It's, it's a 45-minute flight to Southampton, and then it's an hour and 15 minutes on the train. And because of the weather this weekend, you might have noticed it's a bit blustery. Yeah, there's a big storm coming in, right? Huge. It's Storm Brian. Who's Brian? Brian Quick. He's shipped off to somewhere else. <laughs> he's blowing up the south. Um it's uh yeah it kind of made us come up here two days early but you know what we get to hang out with you guys you know come on demarco's right here i got room come on i got to sit next to him i get to speak to you lovely people you know we came up here early we can't wait for tomorrow i got my foam head full rams gear he's wearing none other than rampage on his head no kidding Face pain for works. We are so excited because I think we're going to beat the Cardinals 27-24. Oh, okay. Close game. Nice. Yeah, I like it. Well, Alanya, we can't do any better than you, but if we keep you any longer, we're going to have to pay you. Yeah. So thank you for your contribution. You know where I live. (laughs) (laughs) Outstanding. Fantastic. Ram super fan. Alanya from the Channel Islands. Thank you very much, guys. That was our pleasure. Love being here. Clearly, we love being here. Alanya loves the international series. She's a winner right there. Uh, Super (laughs) well-versed. Perhaps uh, not so enthused with the trip to London this week, you might have heard the comments of Todd Gurley. And if you didn't, let's go back to Los Angeles and play those, and then we'll discuss. It just doesn't make sense. Like, we play Arizona for 45 minutes left. But instead, you got Arizona and us. If we was to travel all the way from L.A., it's 13 hours to travel. Instead, when you could just travel 45 minutes. But, hey, you know. Whatever floats that boat. But, no, nah, it's cool, man. Like I said, you know, I appreciate y'all coming out. The fans are good. You know, I guess it's to make the game global and, you know, it's out of our control. Can't complain about it. Just got to look forward to Sunday and, and, and go against the Cardinals. Oh, it's nice to hear the soundbite in full and get the larger context of it in which he praised the fans here locally. And, obviously, we're experiencing that firsthand. But the travel logistics, DeMarco, being a, a player in a physical sport and the demands that are placed on you over the course of a 16-game season plus four-game preseason, you can understand where Todd's coming from. Well, how comfortable were you flying from L.A. to London? I was glad I purchased the upgrade, put it that way. Yeah, I, I, and you're... I mean, I wouldn't say you're close to Todd Gurley's size in, in terms of weight and girth. Um, it, it's rough. It's a long You would fl- or you wouldn't say that? I would not say that. You I'm wouldn't. sorry. Okay, actually, I would. You look kind of buff right now. I mean, I'm at least you've been work- You've been working Todd on it is. as tall yeah, as okay, Todd, right. but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but it's a long flight. Um, and remember, he plays a physical style. So the last thing you want to do is think about eight- and ten-hour flights going over to London and play. I think what he was trying to get to is he's fired up to play the Cardinals. He wants to play the Cardinals ASAP. It's only 45 minutes away, but the travel is the toughest part about playing that football game, so you hope you don't lose anything. So I get it, but look, it's an NFL initiative. You see how much the fans love it, so 
you got to do it as a player. You got no choice. The larger point there is it's not just a game they're giving up. It's a home division right, game right, this exactly. year. Well, and you know, and, and I'm going to be realistic here. I mean, I flew on a Wednesday, got in Thursday morning, was on the air Thursday night, I think, back to L.A. I mean, that first show, Doty was here. Uh, I, I was dead. I mean, I could. I didn't know what time it was. I I didn't have great energy. It was. I apologize for the show if anybody happened to have heard it. Uh, but but I mean, it's it's a tough transition. And so um, I think, especially when you, uh, I, I was looking yesterday. If by the time this season is over, the Rams will have traveled more miles than any team in the league over the last two years. That does take a toll. And even th- in this run, you go to Jacksonville, hang out there, London, back to Los Angeles, and then back to New York after the bye week. I mean, that is a ton of travel. And I don't care who you are, travel does take a toll on you. Uh, yeah. But you're right. Th- the second part of the quote got lost. Everybody ran with that first line about how, you know, they've got to stop. It's got to stop. Right. But he did acknowledge, hey, it's great. The fans are great, all that stuff. But the, but the travel uh, challenge is real. I think someone asked me, like, why is this team better on the road? The first thing that came, to, came up to my mind was probably the commute is easier to get to the field. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, when you're at home, think about how you have to get to the Coliseum. But when you're on the road, you bus right to the stadium, you get off, you play. It's interesting. It comes at a poignant time, too, because other than the road trip to the Giants, who are better than their record currently indicates, the Rams are going to run the gauntlet here. Seven of their next eight, including tomorrow, against teams that are currently 500 or better. There's a good mix of division games in there. And we all know last season came off the rails, and there were a variety of reasons why. One of them, to your point, Mace, I think is the travel from St. Louis out to various facilities in Los Angeles, and then the most miles in the National Football League caught up with that team during the seven-game losing streak. And I think the London game was a really rough game because not only was there all that travel, but the way they lost that game was painful, and it took that by... It's like you got to sit for two weeks Mm. with losing a game like that, which I think is really hard. That's why tomorrow I think is really important. Up 10-0... Eli Manning and the Giants were done. They were about to give up the ghost on 2016. They rallied to win that game, and they end up a playoff team. I mean, it was one of the more surprising storylines across the entire National Football League last year. Let's hope they don't give the Cardinals that kind of life because they feel resurgent right now. They feel like they've found a Band-Aid to fix the David Johnson long. That's what Dirk Cutter right now is preaching in Tampa because they absolutely sleptwalked on the Cardinals, and they rattle off. Their first five possessions ended up in the end zone 31 points in their first five possessions she said it five years ago they were a great fantasy football team but right now if you get Alanya Alanya. our super fans yes yeah Alanya who should be the third person in the booth telling you she's awesome but if you if you come out flat against the Cardinals they can make you pay the Cardinals are a really intriguing team because they're just a couple of years removed from looking like a Super Bowl contender missed their shot and then injuries wreaked havoc as did the calendar. I mean, they started to age visibly last year, and the Seahawks prevailed in the division. But here they are at 3-3, three and three, and if they can get the Rams, you know, they've still got a chance at Seattle at home. They may be thinking, like the Rams are, that they might be able to take that torch back in the NFC West. Well, if you go back to the Seattle game, remember what Richard Sherman had said about Jared Goff. So they wound up beating you in that game. You had five turnovers. That's why you lost. But you earned Seattle's respect. So here's another team in Arizona that doesn't have much respect for the Rams and for probably Jared Goff. So 
you're going to have to go out there and earn it. Say if you're Patrick Peterson, you may not believe that Jared Goff is as good as he is right now or as good as he's been playing. So they're going to give you their best shot. Larry Fitzgerald and that group know nothing except beating you. In whatever situation and scenario you have it, either they're dominant or you're dominant, you're better, they're better, they still find a way to wind up beating you. So this is going to be another team you're going to have to go out and take it from. It's just a little added advantage of having a familiar foe and Adrian Peterson back there. But for the most part, Robert Quinn, Aaron Donald, the guys on defense, they know what Fitz is about. They know what Carson Palmer can and can't do. And they played against Adrian Peterson. So that situation takes care of itself. But on the other side, Jared Goff is going to have to go out and earn his respect against the Cardinal defense that probably doesn't have much respect for him. Speaking of AD all day, Adrian Peterson, why don't we compare the, the respective running backs? Because we started this segment with Todd Gurley saying, you know, this international thing has got to stop. How do you think Peterson feels? Sunday, he's going to become the first player in international series history to play twice in London in the same season. He's already been here with the Saints. Now he has to come back at that ripe old age after rushing for 130 last week and do it again. Yeah, there's a guy that has no excuses, right? I mean, he's had to do it twice. Uh, Look, he's going to get carries. He's going to get the football. The difference is... When it's third and long, you don't have to worry about AP. No, he's When it's off. third and whatever, you still have to deal with By the Todd way, you Gurley. call him AP. A few people have called him AP. It's AD. Did I call him AP? It's, it's a, going back to his Oklahoma days. He likes it's AD all day. like Aaron Donald. Uh, AD As all day. All we day. have yes. an AD, so yes, he's AP. Exactly. Tell but, Alanya she called him AP. AP. Yeah, and, yeah. and if you want to go with AP tomorrow because we have our AD, I'm right. on board with that. You and I just need to connect. I remember okay. it's all day. All day. And Adrian that's what Peterson. it's going to be with Adrian Peterson and, all day. And this matchup, <laughs> by the way, in terms of the international series, might be the best that's ever been offered to this London fan base. The Cardinals and the Rams have combined for seven wins total coming into this contest. It's the highest combined win total in London series history. Wow. So a couple of contenders, and it's a division game. Do you think ultimately there will be a permanent franchise here? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I think Todd Gurley kind of underscores how players feel yeah. about coming to London. Now imagine being a free agent, and London is a suitor. And think about that. You have to travel back and forth week in and week out to play your games, just regular season games. Here's a different way to look at it. Uh, so I, I think this is a right market. Uh, I think that a franchise will be here ultimately, and I think it will be good for players because it will grow the revenue pie, and ultimately play, that will pay dividends in terms of paychecks when you start splitting revenue. The more revenue there is, the better it is for players, the more money they make. It's not, it, it's, it's not a crazy flight from the East Coast, it, 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 from Jacksonville. From uh, from New York, this isn't an, an outrageous flight. It's like a cross-country flight. I just think the NFL is dead set on doing this. Eventually, it's going to happen. I think it might require some form of realignment. I think you might have Absolutely. to go truly geographic, rework the divisions. But first, I would see if there's a way to grow that revenue pie that you're talking about in the way that the NBA has, where they've become the number one sport in China without having to have a franchise right. in China. Can you tap into this market and and let them continue to wear their Maurice Jones, Drew, Jacksonville yeah. Jaguar jerseys without necessarily being affixed to, for instance, the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars? Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Um, and likewise in China. I mean, you mentioned uh, Kevin Demoff mentioned you know maybe getting in there, and the NFL is still trying to figure out the logistics of doing that. But uh, I think that's the envy right now. Of professional sports is what the NBA has done in the Far East. Yeah. Do they have a London version of Yao Ming? Does well, that help China? That's that's a hundred percent right. It's having that personal. And by the way, that would be and that would be interesting too. Is if 
you know, if the NFL becomes big enough that an NFL player is somehow produced from London. Well, that's what they were trying to do with NFL Europe, trying to have homegrown players from over here play in the NFL. It's worked. I think you've had a few guys that have made the crossover, a few guys that have hung in there on NFL teams, but no one that's become a star yet. What was your experience in Europe like? Um, we'll catch them in soccer before they catch us in football. We will catch that. Well, that's we a, that's a bold thing to say after what we just exactly. watched. Yeah, we'll never catch them in soccer. We just missed the World Cup. Yeah. We lost to Trinidad and Tobago. Are you kidding me? By the way, how awesome exactly. is that Los Angeles Rams flag that was just unfurled behind us? It reads yeah. Los Angeles Rams UK. Wow. It's it's royal and yellow, so the Rams colors superimposed on the Union Jack. That is awesome. That's a great flag. Yeah, that's fantastic. That is I agree with you, Mace. I mean, this is a great fan base. Yeah. If you could take advantage of this, then so be it. Um, I don't know if a permanent team works, but I would definitely keep sending games over here. And by and, the way, I think yeah. Mexico City yeah. is also a, a ripe location. I mean, I think the NFL, I mean, what NFL owners want is to grow the pot. Um, and, and they'll grow it how they have to. Internationalizing the game is the way it's going to grow. Especially with the yeah. new collective bargaining agreement going to have to be negotiated and resolved here in the not-too-distant future. If you have more revenue to offer everyone, that sure greases the wheels to get that done. Would you ever put a Super Bowl here? No. Never? No. Cut your fan base out? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't think it's about the fan base so much as the sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... It's such a huge corporate event these days. Yeah, I cannot imagine uh, the Super Bowl ever being played overseas. You know what? The, the Coca-Colas of the world might like it, though. You might be able to pick up other sponsors. Yeah. can make it an event for them. Hey, I got a question. Whose house? I think it might be the Rams house. Rams yeah. house. I think so. <laughs> so this is what echoes around your home in, in Venice? Oh, right. Me, Every Sunday? Yeah, me, Juan, uh, Sophie, Fredo, the whole family. Uh, who's house, Rams house. Who starts the chant? Uh, I do. You start the yeah, chant. Yeah, I, I start At the any chant. Time? At any time? At any time. At I any like moment. And you have to follow. I do my Sam Logano impression. Your uh, what? My Sam Logano impression. Go ahead. Who's house? <laughs> <laughs> See, that would get me fired yeah. up. I like See? it. And he will be on the PA at Twickenham tomorrow, so it will feel yep. like a home game in that regard. Yep. All right, with loyal season ticket holder and special guest, you know him on ESPN LA. Steve Mason and DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. We continue with this three-hour edition of Rams All Access County down to week seven from London next. Hope you're having a great morning in Southern California. Well, welcome back to London, everyone. JB Long with Steve Mason and DeMarco Farr. Let's go inside the numbers and let's focus on the receiver position for the Los Angeles Rams. One of the things they went to work trying to do year to year was to get rid of the drops. If you're a Rams fan, you know how abhorrent they were last year with good passes specifically thrown by Jared Goff just drops well this year with the addition of the likes of cooper cup and robert woods no surprise the rams drop rate has been better than have so that makes sense given the personnel that they've added not to mention the scheme but they'll get another great test jared goff in the receiving core and the likes of patrick peterson who according to the numbers only 35 percent of his targets have been caught this season that's the best rate by a corner in the national football league that means when the ball is thrown to a receiver that he is guarding it's completed only 35 percent of the time hey look he's he's what you call a shutdown corner i mean when he's on you he's just taking away you like Deion sanders back in the day if it's an obvious passing situation Deion sanders didn't even huddle up with the rest of the defense i've got jerry rice i've got you i'm taking you away well patrick peterson and the cardinals can morph into that anytime they want with a guy like him out there so 
I'm more curious about the question you asked me, like, whose shadows fits? Well, who does Peterson shadow? When you've got Robert Sandy, Woods out I there, imagine. when you've got Cooper Cup, who's been an absolute menace on third down, picking up first downs, and then you've got Sammy Watkins on the outside. Yeah, who so, does he shadow? Does well, he I mean, shadow Watkins? I, I think in an obvious passing down, I, I think, depending on situation, it could be Cooper Cup. I mean, this is the one guy that you need to shut down in man coverage, the guy that can pick up first downs, the guy that's always going to be open. It could be him, but if I had to pick, it's probably going to be Robert Woods. A shout-out to Robert Woods, who leads the Rams in targets and receptions, eight catches of 20-plus yards this season. That's top three in the National Football League. That, like so many moves the Rams have made, looks like a strong one, an underrated one for Les and company. And I'll tell you what, Robert Woods makes every tough catch. Every tough catch. You know, I watched him play a lot when he was at uh, at USC. Uh, tremendous wide receiver uh, at the collegiate level. And now there's just a toughness with him uh, that, that you don't see in a lot of receivers. Um, and, uh, you know, you throw the ball in his you throw the ball close and he's going to find a way to get it. Uh, didn't A.J. Bouye catch him last week? Early in the game, catch him from behind. I mean, no, hit him. I mean, a oh, big yeah. hit. Yes, got a big hit. Uh, Seattle, I think he caught one right down the middle. That, you know, frankly, could have knocked a guy out. It was a direct shot, and he bounced right up. So I'm with you, man. I mean, inside, outside, tough catch, easy catch. The one at San Francisco is that the one? Oh my god! I mean, that was the inside out. Yeah, tremendous receiver. I mean, guys that aren't afraid to get hit, valuable to an offense. Yeah, he's a big reason why uh, the drop rate that I mentioned has been halved. He has a reputation for doing that. And he played with so many different quarterbacks, five of them starting in Buffalo during his tenure there. But I think the Rams saw an opportunity to get an undervalued target that would be a true number two in this system, which he's turned into sooner rather than later because they acquired the number one that they didn't know they were going to be able to get. The other, Sammy you know, the other thing about this receiving core is there are so many different weapons, right? I mean, you've added Cooper Cup. Uh, you've, you, uh, Gerald Everett has been really good. Um, Todd Gurley now catching the ball out of the backfield. Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins. Higby's come on. Higby's come on. It's such the ball gets distributed uh, all over the place, and that must confuse defenses like crazy. It frustrates. And, wait, the secret weapon hasn't been unleashed yet. Who's that? Wait until they, they unleash Reynolds. Oh, yeah. A, another burner on the outside. Who's I mean, the biggest the body? A, a big body, a guy that I'd love to see in the red zone at some point. You know, they're talk about a I've jump also, ball specialist. The yeah. other guy is, I've been blown away by uh, Tavon Austin, who at the beginning I, I didn't think had any place in the offense. In the last few weeks, you see him. I mean, the jet sweep is the jet sweep, right? And he's he's great when that works. And as the decoy, it absolutely works. But as a receiver now, he's also coming into his own. They're finding ways, and this is where I think Sean McVay is so smart. He's He knows he's got talent. He knows he's a burner. He's finding ways to get him the football and to get him involved in this offense. And it's made a huge difference. That's interesting. He's not as down on Tavon as I think other segments of the fan base are, especially with the muff punts and the salary well, factor. Well, don't even die. I don't even talk about the muff punts. Okay. Uh, so you, you've blocked those out. And you're turning a blind I eye. I actually, I listened to you because <laughs> they, the game, what, what was the game where they pulled him? Seattle. Seattle. And then they put him back. And he scored and a rushing he, touchdown and they, they thought it, and maybe they, he had the hot hand. Right. And then he muffed it again. And I was like, I just, I can't deal with that anymore. It's going to be Farrell Cooper moving forward, right? Cooper and Cup, it should be. Cooper and Cup, yes. yeah. No, he just he he's got the yips uh, in uh, in fielding punts. But I and and I haven't been thrilled with Tavon Austin. I mean, I, I openly question 
uh, the fact that he got the extension when he did. But, but that's a sunk cost. It's over and but done he's with. Be, but he's become more of a factor as right. the season has gone along. And I think that yeah. McVay is smart. He's going to find a way to get him involved. Well, it may not be just for Tavon Austin, but when you watch him from a Sean McVay perspective, when you do bring him in motion, look at the reaction you get yeah. out of the defensive players. Now, you may want to give it to him or not, but just that reaction enough is – is enough for him to get other people open in the offense. The Rams are one of just a couple of franchise carrying seven receivers. That's a lot for that position, and a position where it's a lot of give me the, book, the football, right? Should is be. that situation tenable? Can they keep all of those hands in that room for an entire season? I saw Dick Vermeil and Mike Marks do it. Um, just as long as everyone feels like they're a part of the offense and you're all a part of the collective. Tory Holt and Isaac Bruce, it's so funny. Talking to them one week, you know, apart, they all say the same thing about playing the position. As long as you feel like you're a major part and that your number can be called at any time, you'll keep guys focused and in the offense and motivated. And when that play does come, when your number is called, make sure you're ready for it. Yeah. Make sure you're ready. There is no such thing as, I didn't know I was the primary on the route. No, you're all primary, even if your number's not called. The other name, uh, in addition to Reynolds, who we should mention is Mike Thomas, who's back after that first four-game suspension, and he threw the key block on the kick return yeah, that's from yeah. Farrow Cooper. So even in his first active game, having an impact. Now, my thing with Tavon going back to the preseason was I understand the discontent because of the money that's tied up in him and the other players that they've added. But given how many other offensive pieces were thriving under McVay, why would you not give McVay and Austin the benefit of the doubt and give them time to figure out what their best usage is? Because... If, if he can get the most out of Goff, if he can get the most out, out of Gurley after a sophomore slump, if he can find, you know, Robert Woods as a true number two, if he can see the draft potential of Gerald Everett and Cooper Cup and find them roles, why would the fastest, shiftiest piece on that offense also not be able to thrive? I just, people didn't know where to put him in. Like, who do you take off the field to put Tavon on but the But you're field? ahead of the curve on that. He's a RB2 He's in He's a running mind. back. Yeah. I mean, so it, it looks like you're taking Todd off and putting Tavon on, but... You can pretty much sub him anywhere in the offense. But that was the big thing. If you've got Cup, you've got Sammy now, and then you've got Robert Woods. When you thought of Tavon as a receiver, well, which guy do you yank off the field to put him on? Right. Yeah, that's, that was the only problem. And in dropping Mo Alexander, they actually kept Justin Davis, who's been inactive along this way, but was a really hot commodity after the preseason. And you just have the sense that at some point this year, there are going to be carries for not only Tavon, but for Malcolm Brown, who's done a lot of damage in his yeah, limited chances, yeah. and maybe even for Justin Davis, another Trojan to be active on yeah, game Justin day. Yeah, Justin Davis, uh, I mean, I followed his career a lot, and he's another guy who's very, very slippery. Um, he's got speed, but he'll also get the tough yards inside. Um, he's He is a unique talent. He had a really good preseason. I was glad to see he made the team, and, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But Malcolm Brown is, yeah. is great when he touches the Who football. Who was he stuck behind at USC? Justin Davis. Well, he was a starter. Remember, he was there at the same time as Trey Madden. I mean, there were okay. a, there were a couple of guys. Uh, Buck Allen was there at the same time. So we overlap. They used him as more of a speed back than they did Change as, as a between-the-tackles guy. But he can run between the tackles. And then Ronald Jones shows up. And then RJ, yeah, exactly. And then Rojo is there, and it okay. lights out. <laughs> you want to give us a quick taste of USC Notre Dame tonight? I know you're looking forward to that yeah, one. Yeah, I'll tell you, I am nervous about the game. It is an elimination game for the college football playoff. Sam Darnold, I talked to two weeks ago. He just, you know what, his confidence is not high right now. Hmm. He has not played well. He's not played. The, he's not the player that he was last year. Um, last year, the last week, there were signs that he was coming around. He had a 300-yard passing day. 
Uh, granted, it, it was against Oregon State. Um, it's going to come down to how he plays. Um, I talked to him after the Washington State loss. He was so dejected that I was doing the interview, and I felt like I was grinding him, asking tough questions. And I said, at the end, I said, Sam, we still love you, man. You're still the guy. Um, so I, I think it comes down to him. Stephen Carr comes back at running back for them. Uh, the offensive line has gotten healthy. Notre Dame originally, because they lost that home game to Georgia, people thought, oh, Notre Dame's not very good this year. Well, as it turns out, Georgia is really, really good. I think they're one of the two best teams in the country. Uh, so I, I, I think it is a showdown. USC is a three-and-a-half-point dog uh, at Notre Dame, which means it is a flat, even game. The three-and-a-half is just home field for the Irish. Uh, I am, uh, I'll root like hell for the Trojans. Uh, Brandon Wimbush is back at quarterback after an injury absence uh, in the middle of Notre Dame season, and it's an offense for the Irish that rushes for over 300 yards per game. And I saw that I think three of the four top defensive tackles for the Trojans are going to miss today with an injury. Ooh, oh so it kind of puts all the pressure on Darnold and the Trojans to grab an early lead so that you don't allow Wimbush, a running quarterback, and that rushing attack in Notre Dame to lean on you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, this is the 33rd time the uh, that these two teams have met uh, while both ranked in the AP poll. Now I'm stealing from ESPN Sports. As you should, yeah. Uh, that's the third most games of any rivalry. Trojans have won the last four ranked versus ranked meetings against the Irish. So there's a good sign. Uh, it's incredible. The team has not played very well this year. Um, but Clay Helton still, they've gone, what, 13, 14 and 1. Uh, they're on a 14 out of 15 uh, game winning stretch. Uh, so I, you know, I. And it took a Friday night on the Palouse to bust that up. It took Friday night at Washington State. Um, and I still think Washington State's pretty good. That's a quality loss in a tough spot. Um, I, I like the Trojans to win this game today. I'll take them in the upset. I still think we're going to see your team and your team in Santa Clara at the end of the Pac-12 schedule. That like would be fun. Washington and USC, I still think, is it's what's going to prevail. I can't believe you guys blew that game. Tell me about it. You know, it's something strange in the desert between yeah. Washington and, and desert teams. Uh, we've lost down there when I was there. We had the best team in the back ten, and we lost to Arizona down there. My senior year, we shouldn't have lost down there, and we did. It's just something about the Sun Devils or just in the desert that just doesn't fit right with us. Well, probably the Northwest. Apple Cup winner will represent the North in the uh, Pac-12 championship Then I hope it's game. Washington. Don't then. sleep yeah. on Stanford, though. Stanford Look has out, no. rebounded Stanford to that night in the really Coliseum. Well, yeah. That yeah. Bryce Love can run the football. Uh, Heisman frontrunner. All right, back to the Rams and back to the NFL after this break. We're live from London. It's Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. JB Long live from London. We're at the Barrel Boy and Banker Pub near London Bridge. Steve Mason, DeMarco Farr. Uh, joining me, we take a quick look around the NFC West before Week Seven. The Rams at the top at four and two, Seattle at three and two in second place. They are at the Giants. The Giants are the only sub five hundred opponent left, other than San Francisco on the Seattle schedule. So they've got a tough road, as do the Rams. Arizona sits at three and three, and the Niners still looking for their first win. They've made a quarterback change. They've gone to Bethard as they host Dallas, and it looks like Ezekiel Elliott, based on an injunction, might go for Dallas. So. That's how the division sets up this Boy, week. he's in, he's out, he's back, he's gone. That's so confusing. <laughs> but he, I don't get it. But I think he's now. Uh, the stay has been uh, has been reinstated. Granted. So what does that mean? The So they went to the appeals court. Appeals court overturned it. So uh, the NFL tried to uh, make the suspension stay, and then the lower court said, no, the stay has been granted, so now he's going to play. For the but rest of the year. 
No, no, it's, it's going to be adjudicated again. Oh it's, we're going to have to go through another series of these. Oh, yeah. It's who has the authority, which court, but ultimately whether or not the commissioner does. I really worry about fantasy football owners on that one. <laughs> they really, they are really frustrated, I think, wow. by the entire situation. <laughs> which team in the division of the two, Arizona and Seattle, let's, let's be serious, do you think poses the biggest threat to the Rams and a playoff spot? Uh, I think it's Seattle. I just, I just think Seattle is uh, – their defense is so good. I saw what they did with us uh, last week or two weeks ago, um, and that secondary is still so, so good. I'm going to pick Arizona because they're tomorrow's Tomorrow. opponent. That's number one. Oh, there you go. And number two – You're worried about them because they're front of mind. Well, number two, <laughs> I mean, if, if Adrian Peterson – A.D., right? My man. If he starts to round into form and that offense starts to click – no matter what Seattle does, they can't get better on offense right. unless they add someone that's not there. Right. So if Arizona all of a sudden gets hot, they could be a problem. I mean, any team is a problem, but when you think about quarterback and how this team is structured and who they actually have at receiver right now that's been dying for a running game, it could be the Cardinals. I have a lot of respect for their defense as well. Maybe not as much in the pass rush game as Seattle, but on the back end, think about the fact that they still have Hassan Reddick and Buda Baker, their top two draft picks, both of whom the Rams thought very highly of, barely able to get on the field because the guys in front of them, the likes of Patrick Peterson and Tyron Matthew uh, and uh, Jones, yeah. I mean, they're, they're all holding their own. They can bring it on just about anybody. Now, the last two weeks, the defense, in terms of yards and numbers, have has kind of fallen off. But right. if you look between those and look at those spot plays, as in when they had to make a play to, to get off the field, they did. Chandler Jones with a big rush. Tyron Matthew with a rush or a, a pass breakup. Patrick Peterson taking away receivers. In key stretches, they've played like a top-10 defense. Now, the numbers won't bear that out, but... If you start to have an offense with that, I mean, you're talking about a resurgent Cardinal squad that's not going to go away with a coach that doesn't like you at all. Yeah. Conversely, for the Rams on offense, they're getting big plays. They still lead the NFL in explosives despite not finding the end zone as frequently these last couple of games. Just two touchdowns and 23 points combined the last two weeks for the Rams offensively. Struggles in the red zone among the concerns that Sean McVay addressed this week. You know, week. I honestly think sometimes – they, they get down to the red zone, and they go very timid on offense. I, I think they know that Greg Zerline is there. I think they don't want to make a big mistake when they're down deep, and I'd like to see them really go for the throat when they get down to the red zone. I don't think they've been doing that. No, I'm look, I mean, when you talk to Sean McVay about red zone offense, he's got stuff he's dying to bring out, and that's the thing. Uh, when Robert Woods didn't get the touchdown in Dallas, remember that, the bad call? He was upset about not getting the touchdown. That's number one. Number two, he was upset that he had to burn a play because those are plays that you run where no one knows what you're doing. It's it's a one-off. He's got the he's got those at the top of every play call list. So he's got a great plan in the red zone, but they've made mistakes. If you don't have the fumble, if Todd Gurley and Jared Goff don't collide on one play, if you don't have penalties, I think you'd see more of a red zone offense. But I don't know if it's playing for the field goal. This guy wants touchdowns. I do know that, but... That's a, a function and a part of the offense just getting in its own way, especially down there. Uh, one of the things he pointed to and posed with that very question this week, speaking of Sean McVay, was the quality defenses and especially secondaries they've been seen. But, of course, he also pointed the finger right back at himself. 
Well, I think the first thing is, is we, we've played some good defenses. You know, we don't make any excuses, but you give credit to those defenses. They've done a nice job. And then really it just goes back to execution. And I think one of the things that our players have done is they're going to continue to look at them, themselves critically, just like we are as coaches. And uh, anytime specifically to the offense with my involvement, you know, it starts with me and I got to do a better job of making sure that I'm putting our players in those situations to have success. And then they've got to execute. But I think you look at it over the last couple of weeks, you know, specifically with really Seattle and you look at the Jacksonville uh, there were some different things that took place throughout the course of the game that we feel like are correctable. Um, I thought the Jacksonville game, what was encouraging about it is when you have such a great contribution from your special teams to score two touchdowns, Greg ends up hitting a long field goal early on in the game. The defense settled in after the long run by Fournette. Uh, it's really about playing efficient football and not really worrying about, you know, how can we win the football game? And I thought our guys did a good job adjusting to that. And we were pleased as a team playing complimentary football uh, on a road atmosphere against a team that had taken the football away as much as anybody in the league. Uh, the man who is basking in 4-2 and two in first place the least, the head coach and the offensive play caller, Sean McVeigh. You know, the one thing I do notice from being down there is how much are you using Todd Gurley to get into the red zone? Because I think that's going to be the difference. If you can somehow spell him for a few reps from, let's say, 20 to 50, and then you turn Todd back on or put him back on the field, to finish off the drive, I think your red zone offense will be a, a whole lot better. That's that's the only thing I see. You use him so much on first and second down and even on third down just to move the ball into scoring territory that you might not have him for a few plays down there and your offense suffers. Hey, you know, I wanted to just say how cool it is being in London. <laughs> uh, and and if you're a uh, fan, one of the fans who made the trip, uh, or if, uh, I don't, do we have a game in London next year? We're thinking it might be elsewhere on the international elsewhere. scene. It has not been decided, but London would be one option, Mexico City another. We are broadcasting from essentially the London Bridge. The London yes. Bridge is right outside the door, which is just crazy. Uh, and you look across the Thames, and, uh, and there's the Tower Bridge, which is one of the oldest bridges in London. Uh, tomorrow, I think you, uh, there's a big pub thing. I decided I'm going to go to the Winston Churchill War Room there this morning. tomorrow. No, oh, did you? How was it? Very worth your while. Yeah. I love museums and historical things that are actually in the very setting in which they took place. Yeah. I think that can't be matched, and that's exactly what that yeah. is. Yeah, so, I mean, I, it's just there's so much history here. And I understand that if you go to uh, like tomorrow at the stadium, uh, that, the to that it's NFL crazy, that there are jerseys from every single team and it's just a wild and amazing experience to be part of. I just feel really lucky to have been able to come here and to uh, to experience this and to see my team play in London tomorrow. I, I love that every jersey is represented. Somebody said right before the show started, there's a Redskin Jason Campbell jersey in this room right now. <laughs> you don't see those back in the States, and here they are. You know what I mean? So it's, it's really cool. Uh, you'll see, like we said, every sort of fan that's just a fan of the league and – when he had to teach them earlier about when to cheer and when not to, you'll see that actually on the board, too. They'll tell you when to be loud and when not to be loud and what's going on. So it's a football game and a tutorial at the same time. Why don't we do this to finish? We'll get a key to the game from you, DeMarco. Sure. I'll give one as well, and then we can get a prediction from you. Steve. Okay, Does that sound it. good? Absolutely. All right, so key to the game from DeMarco first. Uh, I mean, look, we've said it before. They're going to run the ball at you with Adrian Peterson with all day. Uh, look, if you can somehow – blunt that attack and put the game back onto Carson Palmer's shoulders, 
with Aaron Donald, with the way your pass rush has been performing, you get to him easy. I think you get to him and you rattle him, and possibly he throws you a few. So, But the first thing you have to do is earn the right to rush the passer, and that means you've got to stop the resident Hall of Fame running back in the National Football League, Adrian Peterson. I'll pick it up there with can you impact the other team's quarterback? I think the Rams absolutely can and will. Carson Palmer has been sacked 101 times in the month of October. That's a career-high month, and the Rams are number two in the NFL in sacks with 20. Conversely, the Cardinals' defense has disrupted only 11% of opposing quarterbacks' dropbacks, and some outlets have the Rams with a top-five offensive line in pass protection. So I think Goff will be comfortable. I think Carson Palmer will be uncomfortable, and if those things are the case, then we can tee up your prediction, which I know is going to be a winner. AP or AD uh, will run for fewer than 75 yards, and uh, the final score will be Cardinals 17, Rams 27. I like it. A double-digit winner. Yes. And the offense is producing those touchdowns offense, or defense and special teams? Offense is producing those touchdowns. Uh, well, our congratulations once again go out to Maurice Jones-Drew, who's in the UCLA Yay. Hall of Fame. And he's taken in their game against Oregon this weekend. Is not with us. We miss him. Uh, but we look forward to kicking off our coverage. Sunday brunch from abroad, 7 a.m., and then we'll kick it off at 10 local time in Los Angeles. For Steve, for DeMarco, I'm J.B., have a great rest of your weekend. Remember that USC and Notre Dame is coming up tonight on ESPN LA.